0: Welcome to Belkins Growth Podcast, hosted by Michael Maximoff, co founder and managing partner at Belkins. Today's guest is Vuk, a head of growth for Lemlist, a fast growing technology startup based out of France. Lemlist is developing an email outreach solution with great personalization that has been used by thousands of paid users in a little over two years. Michael and Vuk talk about the difference between marketing automation solutions, growth hacking, and best tools and sources for budget sensitive marketing. Enjoy listening. Your company, Lamblys, uh, you're based out of Paris. Uh, you're seven people now, all work remotely. You've been two years on the market. Are you guys investors backed?
1: No, man. We're bootstrapping from the uh, first day, early days, till this day.
0: If you were to explain it to my mother, who is not a tech savvy, what is that you guys do?
1: We help you sell online. If I'm explaining to my uh, and your grandmas, but if I'm explaining to a let's say an entrepreneur with beginner entrepreneur and advanced entrepreneur. So we're a cold email tool that helps agencies, small businesses, sales teams do email outreach uh, in a personalized and automated way.
0: Nice. And you guys started uh, back in 2017. It's been two years, right? Would it be possible to get some of the growth numbers from you? Yeah. So
1: Guillaume recently published a uh, article Uh, in terms of ARR. We, already passed 2,050, uh, so 250,000 ARR, I would say like closing in on 300 now.
0: How many monthly subscribers do you guys have?
1: So right now we have a couple of, I would say like um, 300, 400 paid users, as I recall, but like recurring users, right? Uh, if you a trial and everything,
0: like I would say uh, maybe over 1,000. And who is your targeted audience? Because... The space, the cold email space, right, is kind of very competitive, right? So a lot of a lot of folks offer very similar solutions. So I know that uh, the guys from the Outreach.io they target these high-end companies with the uh, ten thousand, twenty thousand dollars monthly subscription. Companies like Reply.io target folks that have a few hundred bucks to one thousand dollars. So what is your niche there? So what's your who is your targeted audience?
1: So when we started, it was usually small businesses, startups, and let's say freelance entrepreneurs, but as the product and the company evolved, I would say like, there are a couple of niches that we target. So obviously those are sales teams and agencies, I would say medium-sized, but we have a couple of big clients as well, Besides, like Zendesk is an example uh, of yeah. a company as well. But besides sales and agencies, we also target growth teams, SEO agencies, recruiters, and everybody who kind of has the potential to use email outreach as a growth channel.
0: Right, and uh, so what are the, the top three landless features or advantages that the other tools just don't have? I would say
1: personalization. So okay. you're able to personalize images, use dynamic landing pages, and do all kinds of customizations in your email outreach to make it more personal. And it really like personalization and scale is number one. Number two is probably automation you're allowed to put a lot of uh, repetitive tasks on autopilot. That's not, I would say, like a competitive feature, but it's an important feature nonetheless. But another competitive feature is the warm-up. So you're able to automatically warm up your email domain your email address. Instead of doing it manually, Uh you can do it automatically. And by doing that, you're
0: able to boost your email durability and land in the primary tab. So that will increase the standard score as well as the conversion rate or the stats for, for the campaign, right? Correct, correct. Especially for the
1: businesses that are just starting out.
0: Do you guys have numbers for the stats that your campaigns had before you added the warm-up feature or you had that from the very beginning?
1: I mean, for the warm-up, it was a funny, it was a funny story because it started as um, a couple of our users in the community said that they are looking for ways to do that automatically because uh-huh. they saw Drop in email durability. I can't give you numbers as a whole, but individually, like when we compared users, you will probably get temporary blocks from Google. Right. You'll see your open rate is like around 20, 30%, even below that. And usually it's a thing with email durability. People say, oh, like, my subject line is not good. But what in reality happens is that uh, people don't, your prospects are not seeing your emails. So after you warm up your domain, it usually takes between two weeks and a month. You will see your open rate rising, and like a check that we suggest is like aim for fifty plus. So if you're above fifty plus open rate, that's a good sign that your email deliverability is helping.
0: Right. Okay. Interesting. You know, we actually the uh, Balkans uh, do a lot of that stuff manually. So whenever we get a new domain, we have a dedicated person that just sits on the mailbox and sending some yeah. emails, checking and doing that very manually every every time. We okay. actually noticed that. Before May this year, before Google launched their, this very serious spam policy or something. So you could use a, a new domain and you can wrap it up very quickly, like a few days and that's it. But now it takes more time. So the, the wrap up period is stretched. So interesting. I, I've never actually heard about the Outbound automation tool that do the, the, the warm ups, And that's great that you have that kind of feature.
1: Don't do it manually. Don't do it manually because we know how time is, uh, is limited. And that's probably the most fierce competitor we all share. So right. Don't do it. They come to Lamelist, we'll set you up and you'll be, you'll be golden. Like it, it really works like a charm.
0: Right, right. So do you guys use your own tool and outbound and call emailing in to bring in new clients? Of course, especially in the beginning. Nowadays it's kinda a
1: little bit more sophisticated as uh-huh. we like go attack different customer profiles, different audience profiles in different ways. We send like a lot of email outreach campaigns when it comes to backlinks and pushing like SEO and organic traffic above. And in specific spaces like lead gen agencies and bigger sales team, we do a lot of outreach. Yeah.
0: Did you get desks as your clients by cold email? No,
1: it was uh, it's different because we're connected through our HQ office, which is station F.
0: huh. So connected through events and uh, in person, let's say. Okay. What's your current kind of marketing distribution in terms of the division of the pipeline? What's the percentage goes to outbound and what percentage goes to the inbound in terms of getting new leads per month? It's difficult to say on top of my mind, because I deal with
1: a lot of numbers, both ours and from our users. But I would say that uh, right now, if we say free trials and users right. coming into on top of the funnel, organic is our biggest, biggest source. We're like, spending a lot of time distributing our content and getting in touch with people through various communities and uh, groups. Uh So believe it or not, organic is really coming strong and increasing. It should because of our efforts. And so we're happy because of that. But uh, besides that, uh, I would say like 10 or 15% come from outreach, 40% organic, and the rest are referrals, social media and retargeting.
0: Right. Okay. Understood. So since you guys are kind of bootstrapping, uh, you probably have a few platforms or sources in your packet that are uh, not expensive in terms of the budget wise. So can you recommend, uh, some kind of top five platforms or tools for new entrepreneurs to utilize, uh, to get to the level where you guys are and not spend a lot of budget on that?
1: It's, um, subjective question depends on depends on what you're trying to do like right now if you ask me right now in terms of right from this and the kpis in q4 and where we want to go from this moment on i'm spending a lot of time in a trap so seo tool it's not the cheapest tool out there but i think it's the best in terms of giving you the backlink overview and everything since organic is is, is like i said a huge push at the moment a yeah. is where it's like a lot of time and even for things like Quora distribution following your competitors, getting content ideas, Ahrefs offers you a lot. So I would say spend on Ahrefs is really a cool tool. Keywords Everywhere, if we're talking about SEO, it's a free tool that gives you pretty good uh, overview of um, search intent and um, keywords and and volumes and difficulties, things of that nature. Besides that, I think Phantom Buster is an amazing tool. Phantom Buster is kind of, I would give you an example. It's an API tool that like, if you want to, for example, search head of growth, uh, titles or so head of growth people in San Francisco uh-huh. and use that as an audience in your email outreach campaign. You can go to Phantom Busters, scrape all the LinkedIn profiles, uh, like automatically right. and uh, put them in, in, in lamb list and shoot a campaign. So Phantom Buster is a, is a must have for me personally. I like profit. Well, it's a free tool that gives you KPI check. So I like to measure main KPIs all the time. So profit value is a cool tool to know uh, if
0: you're good or if you're performing good or not. So what are and the next KPIs for you guys? The monthly recurring revenue. Monthly recurring revenue. That's the only KPI that you're looking at?
1: That's the main KPI. And then you kind of have secondary buckets based on uh, what your role is. So for me as a growth marketer, I also want to see the number of free trials per weekly. Mm-hmm. So weekly levels. I also like to see the performance in terms of content. And I also like to see uh, different channels. So if I'm talking organic referral, I want to see where my conversions are coming
0: from. And um, I always look at trends, not numbers as standalone numbers right. I want to see. So and I would you, say that, yeah. And you look at that data in, in the tool that you mentioned for KPI. So you've basically built and integrated all those sources into one place and, and look at all of those numbers there. Yeah. And it, yeah. it is automatic, right? most of them it is
1: sometimes i've i've stay uh, like hour longer at the office and go through google analytics and google search console uh-huh. for example automated some with google data studio but it's impossible to automate everything you kind of right. need to sometimes and do some manual stuff
0: right so you mentioned uh, seo how many content do you do per month so how many blog do you do just blog post uh, and quora or what kind of content do you guys do
1: So most of the times we publish like really in-depth, I call them epic articles because they're really long and the biggest priority is to make them actionable because world already has a lot of theoretic content. If you can make something practical, practical, people can can read and then, okay, I can do this. Boom. That's really good. So we do, again, depends on the month because Uh when you're bootstrapping and you're small and lean, days are different. You, you, <laughs> a lot of things happen that you cannot anticipate. Right. So I would say like two or three articles a month. And then we have a specific distribution model. I talked about it in one of our YouTube videos. Mm-hmm. When we create an epic piece of content, there's like a lot of micro units that we can create and distribute across various channels. But yeah, like two or three articles and two videos per month, but really, really super structured along with some guest posts. That's about it.
0: How long have you been doing this kind of content three articles two videos for the past few months i mean the numbers varies in one month we can publish
1: four the other okay. one we can do because we went at some conference or spent some time testing other channel but i would say uh since i joined full-time it was march we spent like a lot of time publishing content so every month from march until this day um, that was the drill yeah
0: And how did it impact the organic traffic that your guys were seeing from the website? It is like doubling every month that you're doing the content or it's tripling or it started slow since we were spending time uh, on different things.
1: Like for example, support, it was a, it was a hassle for all of us and we wanted to do support because I really think that marketing people really need to do support for a couple of months because only by doing so it's a boring task. But by, by doing so, you kind of get into your customer's shoes. So we were spending a lot of time on support. Then another person joined in June, took over the support. So when we kind of freed a little bit of that time, we saw, I would say, like now we're growing 1,000 visits per month. We were growing slowly than that. And, and conversions went from like
0: 30% from organic, went to 40, 40 something, I think, since the last time I checked. Amazing. So that's a very good conversion, by the way. It's not 40%
1: conversion, 40%. I mean, 40% of total conversions are coming from organic traffic, if okay. you can make it clear. Okay. But we're still in the base of SEO. We're still There's like a, lot of, a lot of work to do. Like, there's like a lot of Google positions to gain. And I, I wouldn't say we haven't done nothing spectacular yet, but numbers are, numbers are healthy and revenue is
0: going up, and that's the most important thing. It is, it is. And so you're a team of seven people. What are the other six people, what they're doing?
1: Yeah, so you have Guillaume, obviously, the CEO. Uh, You have two other co-founders, the tech brothers, Francois and Vianney. I consider them both as CTOs, honestly. They are working on the product. And besides uh, those three, uh, the original crew, you have me and Anna. Anna is more of support slash sales, and I'm in marketing slash growth. And the last two people uh, are not involved in LAMLIST per se. They are involved on other uh, tools. Like We have a couple of more tools in our garage the Lampire family. So they are working on two separate tools as growth and marketing people, yeah.
0: Right. And I know that you guys all work remotely, right? Correct. And uh, so uh, can you, you know, give me an idea of uh, the three things about why the remote work sucks? Ah, I mean, I I couldn't say it sucks. In terms like, to answer your question, I think it sucks
1: because you're alone. Most of the time you're either at your home office or you go to a coffee place so sometimes it's it's you kind of miss your partner in crime like sitting next to you and then you just like you really mean it i think that's the only thing that that really sucks the other things that people already mentioned like my mind is drawn to other things i never really suffered from that my Uh only thing that that can take my time away i kind of go and choose choose a song here but I think that's the, probably the only thing that, that really sucks. But, you know, remotes, you can make it work if you do it in a clever way and you do something that you like.
0: Right, right. What kind of tools do you guys use to communicate and to stay updated about what's going on? And do you have any specific process like daily stand-ups, weekly check-ins, uh, monthly meetings that last for a few hours? So how does it work for you?
1: Yeah, we have a lot of processes and I will just probably take two or three minutes to walk you through them. But uh, the whole point is we kind of wanted to to make everything work from the beginning. So we had like a, a big companies coming in and kind of collaborating with us on different outreach uh, campaigns. And then we realized that our processes, I don't want to sound like bad, but our processes are much more advanced and we are so small right. Like compared to business stuff. So we have the way we communicate on Slack. So we don't blast like five message messages out of the blue. There's only one message, one ping, and we use threads a lot. So we don't bother other people on Slack unless there's a need to. So there's like a Slack process. Then there's a process okay. of meeting. We never, like our team meeting where everybody joins in, never lasts more than 30 minutes. And it's never about micro things. So we discuss only macro uh, it took us one or two meetings to get accustomed to the flow, but we keep it really, really, really lean. And then if there's, if I want to talk to you, we take it offline. And there's a process of the way we talk about the specific project. If it's a project that involves different people, there's a Slack channel for that. If it's a process that involves one-on-one, there's a process for that. So yeah, there's like a lot of ways we, we, we try to be as fast as we can. So one-on-one meetings never last more than 15 minutes, because if you can't agree... On things in 15 minutes and sure. you know you, you kind of right. spend a lot of time that you can spend elsewhere
0: right right well, you know we actually uh, have a very similar process in terms of using the slack and the threads and communicating with those folks that work remotely but we also realize that sometimes when you spend a week or two weeks away from the office and we usually used to work in one office we're about 75 people right now working from one office we realized that still the communication level, we lack some kind of communication there. So we have a Discord, a gaming platform, gaming tool for voice chats in place. And all the team is in Discord and all everyone is on mute. But if someone wants to go to the sales channel or to some of the channels, he can just click on the bottom and talk and someone will listen to him. So it's like uh, gamers used to play. Uh, it's nice. basically the same in terms of working, some kind of thing. And we actually... Uh, it makes things more efficient, right? It is, it is, yeah. Because sometimes when you know, you're know bored or you want an update because you don't know what's going on because the developers or the product team are doing some crazy shit that you don't know about and you are a designer or you are a salesperson, you want to see what's going on there. You just get in and check because when you ping a message, we usually, sometimes we ignore people because you're so, so busy with something or you do something else. So that actually helped us to increase the efficiency there. And we actually read a lot of, case studies and talk to a few folks about those that work remotely or GitLab and, and other folks, and they never mentioned something like that. So we say, hey, okay, maybe this is something new that we will utilize and then we'll tell other folks about.
1: Yeah, 100%. 100%. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm really, really happy that that's the case um, both with you and, and us because pre, in my previous company, when I joined as like a 10th employee, like in the very beginning, and then right. we grew more than 100 people and we didn't set the processes right. So it was a mess. Like marketing and sales communication, until we figured it out at such a larger scale, it was a mess. Right now, we, we had this process where, when only Guillaume and I were doing marketing. So we had the process, the way we communicate and the way we do meetings. And then we kind of just made them more
0: agile when other people joined and we all live by the rules. So you know, what's your secret sauce? By the way, what you would recommend other entrepreneurs in terms of those that are bootstrapping, those that wanted your numbers, those that want help, healthy numbers? Why you guys making it happen? Why you're growing? And uh, you know, you're making things happen, and other are struggling or suffering. So what's what's the mindset should be there, or what kind of process, or what's the secret sauce there for you guys? It will come off as a cliche,
1: but it's passion and tenacity, like really, and, and just stay the course, stay the course, test things, see what works, see what doesn't. You know, I can read, you can read my article about email outreach stats and see my campaigns and then check your campaigns and see that those are totally two different stories. So every project is different. Every audience is different. You just gotta, you know, test things and have enough patience to go through the roadblocks. Like we are all struggling. Even the companies that have big numbers, there's always another another challenge, another obstacle, another problem like everybody's struggling, everybody's winning more or some some don't win yet. Maybe some won't win at all, but, you know, you kind of figure it out. You try again. And I think the most important thing is that you just need to figure it out. What kind of company do you like? Right. What kind of like colleagues do you like? Like Guillaume and I work good and we're able to like probably achieve those numbers because we're pretty much the same. You know, we, we think alike, our strategies align When you don't align, it's like you spend meetings are longer. There are more more friction, and um, I think like I I would say, just figure out what you like to do, and once you figure out what you do, you just gotta test. So you can't. I can tell you like, let's do retargeting. Let's put a Facebook pixel and let's set up a retargeting flow, and you can say, oh, Facebook ads doesn't work. And I, I can ask you why, and then if you don't like, if you don't show me that you actually tried it. I'm going to try it. I'm going to use my own salary to try it, you know? Right. Because I think you just got to see if it works. And if it doesn't, you learn something. And if it works, you can take your team out for a Friday drink.
0: True, true. I agree 100% with you there. So then my last question is, what's your big game? What's the target, long-term target that you want to achieve? What kind of companies do you want me to go after? What kind of numbers do you want to achieve? What kind of league do you want to play? You're, you asking about, uh, you're asking about about Lamlist or me as a... Yeah, the uh, in li- general and a
1: company, yeah. Hmm, interesting question. I mean, if you asked me that a year ago uh, when I met Guillaume, you know, and now I think answers will kind of differ. But ultimately, I think what we're trying to accomplish is next week, we have a target of reaching 1 million ARR. So that's kind of like something feasible, feasible in, a, in a year timeframe. I would say if we accomplish that, I would be really happy and in terms of where the product will go in the future. It's difficult to say because technology is just changing so fast. So you kind of, you know, the warm-up feature that we discussed, there was a user that came into our community and said, uh, I wonder if we can all like create a pod and, um, you know, help each other warm up each other's email addresses. Right. And then we were hey, let's let's take a pause for the cause and uh, stop what we're doing and see if we can make this a feature. And, you know, we, we stopped one feature, we kind of built that feature, and then we released it because our users needed it. Uh-huh. And it ended up being, uh, you know, it helped them, which was the primary cause. And then on the secondary, it became our competitive feature, and we have users signing up just to use warm-up. They don't send cold emails at all. Right. So I think, difficult to say, but in terms of something feasible, I would 1 million, 1 million ARR this time next
0: year. Okay, so it's basically you want to grow x4 right so we want to quadruple yeah 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 yeah. in terms of numbers that's the deal. in terms
1: of uh, i would say some branding if if we can uh, continue to develop the brand the way we've been developing it with our language and tone um if more people just come in and then send me a message on linkedin or facebook and say hey like i checked your content use your tool, loved it, worked, we crushed it, or I checked your content, I didn't use your tool, but I still love the approach. I think in terms of branding, we would love to become that. So people who were obsessed with, uh, you know, blasting and pushing good content out. And on the sales side, yeah, quadruple our numbers.
0: Amazing. All right. So is there anything that you want to share that I didn't ask you? Is there anything on your mind that you would like spill it out and say, to so everyone that can read this or can hear this or listen to this or? I don't like giving advice because I'm still young and uh, I consider
1: myself a practitioner. I haven't done shit yet. I'm just trying to be the best I can. But in terms of the message, I would ask them a question. What's your obsession now? Like what channel has grabbed your attention? What hack did you learn or what uh, failure did you experience? Like Anything, like put it in comments. I'm the one who reads all comments and every single post. So
0: Amazing. It's yeah, I'm still learning. So I would learn from all of them. Are there any companies or specific people, individuals that you are following and you're interested in learning from?
1: I think it's... Um, <laughs> my friend always teases me with that, but um, I'm a big fan of Gary Vee, obviously. Mm-hmm. Just because, I don't know, he speaks the truth for me and uh, I kind of paid attention a lot, especially a couple of like a year or two ago. Now, I think I, I've learned a lot from him. And so since he's pushing similar messages, when you figure out the message, you kind of go, okay, Gary, thanks. Now I'm going to go and do my own. So it was Gary V, And I really like, uh, since I'm in SEO a lot, I really like uh, Rand Fishkin uh, from Now Toro previously Moz, and I like Ryan Stewart from WebRis. I think those two... I don't know those guys, but they help me do some cool initial SEO work. So I'm I'm a big fan of them them too.
0: All right. I appreciate sharing that. And are there any kind of blogs or platforms or resources where people can read more about marketing, digital marketing, growth hacking? Are there any kind of blogs that you're following, newsletter that you subscribe for? Yeah. So besides the ones, the three kind of influencers I mentioned, Mm -hmm.
1: I like the interviews a lot so i spend like a lot of time reading interviews from uh, melanie perkins the co-founder or founder of canva i just like interviews i'm the guy who reads biographies a lot so i just like to get inside i try to get inside people's heads and kind of wander around and see what makes sense or what doesn't but i cannot single out something i i read religiously i kind of have the morning brew newsletter which i can just Occasionally, I just I just Google stuff and 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 you know find find content that I'm interested. In. But mostly, those are interviews and uh, podcasts and things to that nature.
0: Well, look, I appreciate you sharing all of that. It was very inspiring. I definitely pick up a few names that I'll be following myself. You're guys doing a great job. You're growing fast, and uh, you know, actually, our chief marketing officer who set up this uh, this meeting. Uh, He actually follows you uh, and I've never followed you guys, but now definitely going to follow your LinkedIn, going to follow your blog and we'll see how your guys are going and we'll be looking into what we can learn from you as well. So I appreciate you.